I'm Amanda Leitner, and welcome to Rochester Rising, where we amplify the stories of Rochester entrepreneurs. Welcome to episode 227 of the podcast. Welcome to our weekly Rochester Rising podcast, where we tell the stories of entrepreneurs within the city of Rochester, Minnesota. We put out a new podcast every Wednesday telling the story of an entrepreneur and learning more about their business. The next day, we follow up with a short story based on the podcast conversation. We encourage you to check out both. You can catch our podcasts wherever you listen in to podcast content, but we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on YouTube. And you can listen into our podcast as well as check out more of our stories on our website at rochesterrising.org. Rochester Rising is part of the nonprofit Collider, which is a Rochester-based organization that amplifies, connects, and empowers entrepreneurs within the community. To help keep Rochester Rising sustainable and to keep telling the stories of Rochester entrepreneurs within the community, we've started a digital tip jar, and you can access the tip jar through a link in our show notes. If you enjoy listening into these stories or they've helped you in any way, Please consider contributing to the tip jar if you can to keep Rochester rising and these storytelling efforts going. So today on the podcast, I got to talk with local entrepreneur and businesswoman, Julie Domel. Julie grew up in a small farming community in Iowa. She's worked within the financial division of GM, coached a competitive cheer team for several years, and has been in real estate for 20 years, plus much more. On the show today, we talk specifically about the business she runs, Julie's Cookie Creations. This business creates custom boutique cookies and teaches cookie decorating classes here within the community. Today on the podcast, we talk more about her journey with Julie's Cookie Creations, how she transitioned from hobby to business and intentionally built her company, how she's thought about entrepreneurship and starting new things about her time on the Food Network's Christmas Cookie Challenge, and much more. All right, so with that, we'll jump right into the podcast with Julie Domail and Julie's Cookie Creations. Well, yeah, thanks so much, Julie, for, for doing this today on a beautiful spring-summer day. So I appreciate you uh, coming to our makeshift podcast studio and doing a recording. Well, thank you for having me. <laughs> I always like to start kind of understanding a little bit more about the person. So can you share for people listening a little bit um, of your background and kind of what makes you, you as a person? Um, I grew up in Iowa and went to Mankato State. And then I worked in the finance division for General Motors. Mm. So then I ended up moving to Rochester, uh, meeting my husband and had two kids and then after that, I worked at the dealership, and then I went into real estate, and I've been doing real estate for 20 years, which I have absolutely enjoyed and loved. And then after that, um, I had friends that kept asking for cookies, and they would see my cookies, and so I, at that point, um, said, sure, why don't I start making some? And then from there, my business just grew. I always think real estate would be a super fun industry. It's always something different, like all the time, I feel like, oh, <laughs> especially it's, here. It's ever-changing, <laughs> ever-changing, yes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, yeah, so I definitely wanted to dive more into your history with baking. You, know, you have your business, Julie's Cookie Creations. But, you know, as we were talking before we started, you know, it's 
I bake as well, have no artistic talent. So like doing what you do would be very challenging for me. How did you originally get started with baking? And I would kind of assume that you've always been kind of artistic, but maybe that's not the case. Um, How did you kind of initially say or get interested in baking and then start um, decorating as well? So I grew up in a small farming community. So I mean, a town of three, 400 people. So when I say small, I mean small. And you know, we really all baked. And so I've been baking my whole life and I've always enjoyed it. And I've always had a artistic side to myself. I was always the one who drew a lot of things that we needed in school. So what was interesting is um, I had probably taken a you know, big break from baking just because I was busy with my real estate and raising my family. And then as things slowed down with that, I was able to start kind of baking again. And what's great about baking is that, and doing cookies, is I do get to pull out that artistic side in me. I really love colors and textures And so that's just something that I, it's just been really great marriage for me is to be able to bake and to pull my artistic side together. Yeah, very cool. And yeah, doing intricate artwork on cookies is, it takes so much time and intricacy and yeah, absolutely true. Um, It's definitely, yeah, a form of art. Yes, it really, you know, and it, it takes some time just to learn the different, um, especially because I use royal icing. So royal icing starts out in a liquid form, and then as it's exposed to air, it dries hard. So you only have a certain amount of time that you can actually decorate before it starts crusting over. So that's something that it does, it does take um, time to really learn you know, the icing consistencies, the speed of it, and putting it together. And it is, it is absolutely an art form. I agree. So we wanted to talk more about Julie's cookie creation. So for people not familiar with it, um, what is the business and what what kind of product services do you um, provide here in the community with um, Julie's cookie creations? So Julie's cookie creations um, came from We'll probably get to the Food Network part, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) I originally was going to apply to be on the Food Network Christmas Cookie Challenge. And so when I got this application, I looked at it and it said that I needed an Instagram account. So I called my daughter and I said, and keep in mind, this wasn't all that long ago, only really just a couple years ago. And I said, what's Instagram? And she goes okay, you don't know what Instagram is. I go, I, I really don't. I don't know what it is. So she helped me set up an Instagram account. And so from that, I then loaded a bunch of pictures on. Well, then people started noticing that and they were like, I didn't even know you did cookies. <laughs> so what? from that point, they said, well, would you be willing to teach me how to do cookies? So that's how my cookie classes actually started. So what I do is I do custom cookies and I do cookie classes. And the custom cookies, I refer to them to be more like boutique cookies. Um, or in other words, another way to be like small batch cookies. So something that's going to be anywhere um, generally one 
dozen sometimes, but mostly two dozen to maybe four dozen cookies. And they're very specific and specialized to your event. So especially like um, bridal showers or weddings, um, small weddings, baby showers, anything, or just special retirements. So I really want to take it and make it very, very specific to your event because I want them to be the centerpiece of your table. And so that's how that, so that's how I got going on people just recognizing, seeing it. And I started doing cookie classes. So I started out with four people. And of course, other people heard about it. Then I moved to eight people and then 10, 12. And then I was starting to do like three classes a month. So it just really grew. So it's actually my cookie classes almost became bigger than my custom orders. Mm-hmm. And um, and one of the main reasons why I did my cookie classes is because I was getting so many orders, at requests for custom orders, and I just, there was no way I could possibly do that. Um, mm. Because it takes, at a minimum, three days yeah. just to do, and I know people don't even realize that it takes three days to do a custom order and so I thought this way if I taught people how to do cookies then they could learn to do them themselves and so that they wouldn't always have to maybe rely on me to do cookies Mm -hmm. and you take a lot of kind of the um I don't know what the right word is to say but um make it easy for people to do the cookie classes right they pick up they have a box and it has like the um all the designs in it, like the cookies, right, with the cutouts and royal icing, and you just pick it up and follow the Zoom class, right? Yeah, the cookie classes have been really great, and I love teaching. So I used to coach a competition cheer team Okay. for many, many years. <laughs> um, and so I've been a cheerleader, junior high, high school, college, a youth cheerleader, and then also an all-star coach. So I've always been involved generally with some form of teaching. So for me to move into classes was a really, really easy transition. So what I um, what I make is the cookie kits. And once we moved to COVID, it really became uh, important to put the kits together. So in these kits, I have your cookies are in there and they're all heat sealed. You also get all your individual icing bags with all the consistencies of what you need. And then you get a picture of what the design is going to be, a colored picture. And then I also make sure that any embellishments that are going to be extra, that there would be no way I could teach in a class. So anything that's going to be any bows or any eyes or anything extra to add to your cookies. Um, so when you pick up your cookie kit, it is Everything you need to do the class with me is all in there. Yeah, I love that because like you said, if you haven't, for those people listening who've never done royal icing, it's a huge, I mean, there's so much variability in like the consistency and if, and it just could be really discouraging for somebody if they don't get it right and they're trying to like follow in with your Zoom class and it's like. That's the number one, um, I want to say, frustration I would say people have is even though I give you my cookie recipe and my royal icing recipe um, the cookie recipe is, is really pretty straightforward and easy and people love it but the royal icing it's the consistency and that is the number one frustration people have it's just trying to get it and even though we go through it we talk about it it's still not always 
easy for them. So it, that's the great thing about that I already have it all ready for you is that you're set up for success, mm-hmm. that you're going to have the right consistency. And so the biggest variable that you're going to have at this point is when you cut the icing bag, make sure you don't cut <laughs> sure. the, so you don't cut the hole too big because I do need it to be really small, but we really go through detail on that. Yeah. No, I love it. I'm going to do one this summer. I saw your Alice in Wonderland one that you did. Oh, and that's one of my such... favorite books, favorite movies. So if that comes back, I'm a hundred percent doing it, but I want to do one soon over the next couple months. Because... My, yep. My next class coming up is going to be a uh, spa Nice. <laughs> yeah. So it's gonna be it's gonna be cute. It's gonna be like a bathtub with bubbles and a glass of champagne, and it's gonna of course you know have the 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 robe and also the the face with the mask on it. So it's a whole spa one. Mm-hmm. So it should be really cute. Yeah, I was gonna ask you. You know, it seems like you said a lot of the business now comes through the classes as opposed to the custom cookies. But I saw you did some like. Uh, macarons and like uh, cocoa bombs and stuff too you know once in a while i'll I'll, I'll venture out a little bit um i've been making macarons for probably 10 years Um, and i got started because uh, my daughter wanted them for (laughs) an event and she wanted well she also wanted for her wedding and um i i wasn't going to buy 600 of them. <laughs> yeah, so expensive. Uh, yeah, it's really <laughs> expensive. So I thought, I'm going to learn. I'm going to do that. And I made this gorgeous macaron tree full of all different flavors and everything. And, of course, people saw them. And so that's kind of how that. So I just recently did a Easter macaron box. So I did six different flavors. So I'm going to, and I've got an order coming up this Friday. So I'm going to just, you know, so I'll, I'll focus primarily on the sugar cookie uh, custom orders, the cookie classes, and also macarons. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and then there's, I mean, I can do chocolates, different chocolates too. So, I mean, I don't want people to afraid not to ask about that too, because I'm happy, like the hot cocoa bombs, crazy. <laughs> people went crazy for people them. Love them yeah. They love them. And they're just a really great winter. Mm-hmm. So I suspect I'll be I'll be back at it again this winter. Yeah. And like we said, it adds some variety, so you're not doing, like, the same thing all it is the time nice. for you. <laughs> it is. It is. It's nice. But you know the great thing about the cookies is uh, every order I get is different. That's and, true. And so that's what's really nice is so even though it is sugar cookies, it's a different design, and I get to customize them. And people generally, they give me kind of free reign. You know, they just kind of give me their colors, a theme, and then they just kind of let me just go at it, mm-hmm. which is great. Yeah, definitely adds, again, pursuing that creative and the, that artistic right. um, passion that you have. So one question I like to ask people a lot too, mm-hmm. and people have um, a lot of passions, a lot of interests that they're doing kind of on the side while they're, they have a full-time job. So for you, when did you start having that conversation even in to, with yourself, with a significant other, whoever, um, about you know, this is going great. I love doing this. How do I turn it into a business? What was that kind of conversation like um, internally or with other with other people? Right. Um, I think for me, um, it it wasn't too hard of a decision to move it into a business because, you know, running the competition cheer team, that was in essence a business. Mm-hmm. I had three teams. I was responsible for all the finances and ordering and everything. So I already had business experience with that. And then being in real estate, 
You know, we are independent. So that is also, I'm running my own business. But when you, the, the point where you make that step, um, I probably wouldn't have gone that route if I hadn't remodeled my kitchen. Okay. I did remodel my kitchen, but I didn't even think about cookies or doing anything. Um, and so I had remodeled it. And when somebody asked if I would just show them how to do it, because she really wanted to make them for her friends, her daughter's actually wedding. So when I showed her and I thought, well, my kitchen wasn't fully done, but I could make it work. And she literally looked at me and she goes, you had the most perfect space to teach classes. I really think you should do more of these. And I went, no, 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 no. I'm happy to show you. And then when I got somebody else that asked me, I went, sure, why not do it? So I think it's a gradual thing. So Mm -hmm. then when I went to the next one, and then I had another class, and that's when I said to my husband, I go, you know, there's really a lot of people out there who want to learn how to do this because everybody looks on Pinterest and everybody pins everything and looks at them. And I think of how many times I used to pin these cookies and I don't even know why I did because I didn't even know how to do them or I didn't even know anybody who could do them. (laughs) So it's like I've got this whole board pinned of all these beautiful cookies that I had absolutely no way to even get. So then I thought about that and I went, you know, if I do that, and I have the ability to make them, then I thought this is just a really great opportunity to, so that other people could get them also. So at that point, I just, all of a sudden, I just tried to think of a, a, it was hard to find a name (laughs) because you look on, you know, when you you look at any, um, you know, Instagram or Facebook or anything like that, you know, it's hard to find a business name. So once I found a business name, then I said, well, you know what? And then I checked into the Cottage Food Law, mm-hmm. and I realized it, you know, it was not as difficult to get into as I thought it was, and then I just started slowly and continued on. Mm-hmm. So Cottage Food Law, you basically take some, I think, safety classes on, online, right, or in person, and then it allows you to basically bake out of your home and deliver directly to the end customer, right? Right. So the nice, the thing, which is wonderful, and thank you to some amazing people in Minnesota who got it started back in 2015. I didn't realize it was that recent, actually. Yeah, it's not that long that we've been able to do that. Um, and so, in fact, they've just got another, uh, something go through the legislature right now that hopefully it's going to help as far as um, change the cap on how much you can make in cottage food, because you are very limited on how much you can make yeah and so but the the thing about cottage food that's great is that we can bake in our home and we sell directly to the consumer so I can't sell to a restaurant and they can't turn around and sell my product Mm -hmm. I need to sell directly so they really I need the handoff directly um which is totally fine because then they know what they're getting. We also have to make sure that we have an ingredient, the food label on there of all the ingredients and then also the allergens. And then we also need to put on there the date in which they were made, the item was made. Of course, we have to have our name and address and all that stuff on there too so that the consumer can you know, look us up if they need to find us. Um, but as far as to get into the cottage food, you, you are, you go online and you 
go through this class. Um, you take a small test at the end. It's very no, nothing of any big deal at all. And there's no cost to that, okay. which was very surprising. Now, once you move to the two, the tier two class, the next tier, the, the thing about the next tier is there is a fee to that, very nominal, it's really not that much, but you do have to take a four-hour online class. And that gets more in depth of just the cottage food laws, but you also then can move, and that's designed for people who are going to move to a higher level, like who are going to be baking more. Okay. And producing more out of their home. So that triggers tier two is more, you're making more sales. You're making okay. more sales. So that you're getting beyond more the hobby level. I've tested it, yeah. Yeah, I've, you know, the hobby level kind of here and there. Now you're really moving to larger sales. Yeah. No, I think it's great. And like you were saying too, you know, we have this cliff effect where you see people too with like, I mean, let's say, um, I don't know, having... Uh, uh, childcare benefits or something, you're making a certain wage and then you make more, you lose all of that. You know, you're making more of an income, but you're losing all of these benefits that you'd have. It's same thing with this. I mean, not exactly the same, but you know, you want to expand your business, but okay, now I've made over, you know, the whatever it is, 18,000, 20,000. Now I need to move into a commercial kitchen space. Now I'm renting or building out a space. That's a huge, that's a cliff. It is, and th and that and that's a really big decision you've got to make. Is you know there and I have um, very strict limitations of what I I make. And and you ask like cottage food, everything I make has to be food shelf stable. And what does that mean? It means that you know, it's anything that you have that doesn't um, need to be refrigerated. So um, I can't be using anything that's going to change the pH level too much. Like rhubarb season, we're in it, mm -hmm. but I can't use rhubarb because there's too much water in rhubarb. Mm. And so there's certain things, certain foods that we are very limited. You know, in my butter creams, you know, I'm not able to use um, heavy cream, you know, unless it's heated, you know, to a certain temperature. So the thing is, is that, you know, I, but there's reasons for it and it's a really good reason. So if I really wanted to have certain, let's say fillings of macarons, I would need to go into a commercial kitchen, you know, but then you've got to decide now, do I want to move to commercial? Do I want that extra space cost, equipment, all that. And so that's, that is a cliff. That is a, a big decision. And, you know, people who really want to grow their business and really want to amp it up, that's a great solution to do. But at this point for me, um, I'm happy to stay where I'm at and not move to the commercial side of it. And like we talked about before we started, you know, it's all about knowing who you are as a business mm -hmm. and sticking with that you know, no matter what, you know, having that North Star and just knowing what you want out of it too, because, you know, it's perfectly reasonable to grow your business as much as you want or stay with what you want it to be. It's all in, I think, you know, having fun with it and loving it and just getting out of it what you want, you know? Right. You know, when I was, um, uh, my, um, I owned a car dealership before. And there's one of the things that we learned in uh, a lot of our training when we go to our business meetings is that um, a lot of businesses fail in the first five years because they try to grow it too mm -hmm. fast. And I think that's the one thing that 
um, I've always stuck in my mind is that you can go and you can go crazy and you can build too fast and then you can't keep up or you can't meet your demands. And so what was important to me with my business is I wanted to keep it fun because it started out as a hobby. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to lose the fun side of that because there is such a thing as cookie burnout. Yeah. And and you can because, you know, when you've got an order due um, and your client is expecting it, um, at the end of the day, you have to produce it and... I mean, if that means you're staying up till 2, 3 in the morning... You're staying up till You're two. staying up till 2, 3 in the morning. See, and I don't believe in doing that. I'm not somebody that's going to do that. Um, I also have really good time management, and I plan out. And I don't overcommit myself because mm-hmm. I, I want to make sure that everybody gets exactly and specifically what they want. So for me, it was important to make sure that I, I set up a business plan that I knew that I could meet my expectations because I'm a one-woman show. I'm it. And so when people reach out and they go, can you just squeeze me in? And I I hate to say no, but it is a no. Because it's not fair to the client that I have their custom order coming up and I shortchange their Mm -hmm. order to put somebody else's order in as a last minute. Um, So setting my business plan, knowing that uh, time management is extremely important and that I want to give them the best product. So, yes, moving to commercial kitchen would possibly be enticing, but I think sometimes just staying small, there's nothing wrong with that. Plus, in cottage food, I can register other people underneath me. Like my husband, I could have him registered underneath me, so then I can raise the cap up into my... Um, how much I make. And then my daughter also helps me once in a while so I can add her to it. So there are ways that you can build up so that you can make more. Um, That's if you're willing to produce that much, which is, it's quite a bit. I wanted to make sure we got to talking about your time on the Food Network Christmas Cookie Challenge. I did see that episode and I do watch the Christmas Cookie Challenge anyway. But yeah, it was super exciting to see someone from Rochester on there. So can you talk a little bit about kind of how that came about and what your experience was on the Food Network? Okay, can we just say how crazy is that? <laughs> that I was on the Food Network. Like, it still is a little mind-boggling for me. Um, so how it even came about was, again, I was thinking about I had a lot of people kept saying, you should do this, you should do this. And I'm like, so I looked into it. I did the Instagram. I got it going. And by, by that point, it was too late to apply. Well, then the next year, I, I thought I had heard that you no longer could apply because they already had enough people, so mm-hmm. to speak. So they would, um, they reached out to people. So I really kind of honestly went... They're never going to find me. I'm not that big of an Instagram account. And I just kind of resigned to the fact that it's okay. It'll probably just never happen. Um, And then that next summer, I had made a toolbox. And it's super adorable. It's a 3D toolbox. It has tools in it. It was for my son-in-law. And I put some money in there. And I posted that on Instagram. And... Probably about nine months later, I got a direct message on my Instagram and just said, 
what would you think about being on the Food Network Christmas Cookie Challenge? <laughs> and it was just, you know, at first I thought, is somebody just playing a joke on me? Pretty sure they are. But, you know, I, I wasn't sure what it was. So um, I asked them, I go, well, I'll tell you what, why don't you send me an email with some information and we'll go from there. And when I saw it, it came from Sonic Dog, I <laughs> knew that they were the production company because I remember seeing their paperwork and I went, oh, wow, okay, this is legit. So, you know, I said, what do I have to lose? I filled out the paperwork. I went from there. And it was quite a process. I went through five different interviews. Wow. They were all on Zoom. And then they called me. And keep in mind, they moved like at a snail's pace. So it's like you have this interview over Zoom, and then you don't hear anything for a month. So you think you're all done, right? You mm -hmm. think they've just moved on. And then they hear, you hear from them again, and I went... And then it's another month. It was just like, it was the craziest thing. So they called me one day and they said, it was at four o'clock in the afternoon. And they go, we would like you to do two challenges. Okay. Like, and they go, tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow. Tomorrow. And we want you to do an hour and a half challenge. We want you to do six cookies. They had two of them had to be, so three of each, you know, so six cookies total. And then... A two and a half hour challenge, they wanted me to do a 3D. And I went, okay. And they said, and by 7 p.m., we want you to tell us what you're going to do and send us a picture of it, <laughs> like draw it out. And I went, oh my gosh, this is, uh, so what they're really trying to do is they're trying to see is, can you handle that pressure? Mm. And so I went, well, what's the worst thing that can happen? I screw it up, no big deal, no harm, don't make the show. So the next day I was like, okay. And I set my timer and I made my husband leave because I was like, I didn't want any distractions in the house. So I did it and I went ahead and I did my, I, and then I had to send them pictures of what I did. And then the next day they did a Zoom call and they just really just talked about it. So it was interesting in the call, the Zoom calls from them. It was just more, I think they were more interested in just conversations like we're having. Mm -hmm. You know, nothing really specific about what I did, just more, just I think more camera presence. Mm -hmm. And then about two weeks before uh, I took off, they called me and said, we would like you to be on the show. And I was like, and we need you to leave in two weeks. I mean, talk about... Yeah. No notice. So crazy. So all of a sudden, you know, so you don't have really time to think about much. You're not, you can't prep. You can't do anything. Right. All you know is that you're going, but you don't know what you're doing. And so, but when you, know, when you get there, um, and then when they hand you that apron, it is like, it's just, it, it's such a cool moment. I can't even express to you because keep in mind, I can't even talk about it. Right. My husband knows I'm going and that's it. Like, cause I mean, they're really clear. You sign your life away <laughs> when you do something like this, you sign NDAs and you can't talk about it. And so when I, when I got there and got the apron and when they took us, to the set you know you're walking almost like through a warehouse because and then you walk into the set and it's just huge it's just huge and it's just like it is on tv it's just that it's wider because all the camera crew is in the middle mm. 
So when you see the show, it looks like we're all like right next to each other. But what's interesting is you've got, you know, like 50 to 80 people in the middle of the in the, in the middle of the pit there, you know, and I have one to two camera people dedicated just to me. So when I'm you know, decorating. I've got somebody that's standing on a stool right next to me, like right over top, of over you. like literally over the top of me, looking down. And then I've got somebody else like straight on looking at me. And then I've got other people dedicated to me to make sure that if I need anything, anything happens, you know, that they're there to help us. And um, so it's uh, it's crazy. And I think so many people ask me. If I was nervous, if I was nervous. And I said, you know what? You don't have time to be nervous. <laughs> like you literally don't have time mm-hmm. to be nervous. It's, you know, when the when the clock starts, you just you just go. You just run and you just go. And you just you you just hope you remember. Because the only thing you bring with you on this set is uh yourself. You don't get to have any you, you don't get any timers, your watch, uh, recipes, nothing. You just, it's just you. So you you rely on your memory. Yeah, that's crazy. I've always wondered if you're allowed to bring recipes and stuff, but I guess it's just, nope. No. Nope. You're figuring it out. You figure it out. In fact, I'll tell you where my moment, I, I don't think I remember the first five minutes, <laughs> was because um, about a minute before taping started. See, we could request ingredients, because they wouldn't know what we had. Right. So we couldn't request ingredients. And so I, I knew what I wanted to make for a cookie dough. Um, and the extract that I was using was very specific. It's a very caramely, uh, buttery flavoring, which went in my royal icing and also in my cookie dough, which was, so it was, it was the key ingredient. And they told me a minute before taping that I was not going to be getting it. <laughs> Fun. I went... I mean, the look on my face, I'm sure I was just shocked. And I was like, what am I supposed to do? And he goes, well, you can change recipes. Uh, You can't change recipes in your head. First of all, I also didn't know it was in the pantry anymore because you got to look at it. I mean, I mean, they did a scan around the room. Like it was like, this is here, this is here, this is here, this is here. And there's no way you can absorb all that. You just cross your fingers that you might remember a couple key things. Um, and then they, you get to see the pantry like seconds before. and But you can't remember what's in there. So um, I had to just, I had to just wing it. I just had to make it happen. And then, of course, right away, um, I had pecans in mine and I wanted them toasted. So they had a food processor. And my food processor didn't work. Can you imagine? I know I now don't have my extract, and then my food processor doesn't work. And I could hear them in the background. She's doing it right. She's doing it right. Because I thought, well, maybe I'm hooking it up wrong, and it just didn't work. And you know that happens. And so I had to then take all my nuts out of there. I had to go get another one. Take all my nuts out. Put that one back. Put that in there. It was like. Oh my gosh. So got that one going, which is great. Got them in the oven, got them toasted. So, you know, I think, you know, and of course, you know, they, oh, I know another thing was we all use meringue powder Mm. in our royal icing. Um, But what they don't tell you is there's five of us. 
and they only have three containers. Oh, so you're fighting for it. Yeah. You're, so when they, you wonder, like, well, how could you, you see some episodes, like, how could you run out of cream cheese? That's because they only have so much of everything. Like, they only have, so, because they want you to, on the fly, figure out what you're going to do yep. and how are you going to change it and how can you change up your recipe. So it's almost like built-in sabotage, <laughs> which, of course, they would do that, Right. Adds to the fun of it, right? Adds to the stress and the pressure and seeing what you develop at the end. And I'm one of those people that I'm I'm just a very steady person under pressure regardless. Um, so for me, I'm a problem solver. So for me, it was more just, you know, trying to figure out and solutions and trying to do that. So... Um, you know what? That part was fine. You know, I was, I'm very methodical in what I do and thinking through it. So I was, I, I was okay with that. That's <laughs> what it takes to be a business owner too. Figuring it out, right? Problem you do solving. have to do that. You're right. We are constantly in a problem solving mode in our businesses because, you know, you may order something and it doesn't show up on time. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden, you know, you're trying to figure out what to do. I have a good example was I, and I commend her. It was somebody that, um, another cookier that lives over by Mankato actually was Sika and uh she had a cookie order and her cutters weren't going to arrive in time for her to get her order done so she put a message out to the rest of us that do cookies and I said you know I have all three cutters that you need so she uh her husband works over here in Rochester so she when he came over I put my cookie cutters out. He picked them up. She took them home. She was able to complete her order and brought them back. And that's what you do. You have to think out of the box and go, how can I solve this problem? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and again, that's the beauty of the cookie community is that everybody's always willing to help out. I think that's so great about all communities, you know, having yes. that community of trust and collaboration and absolutely we're nearing the end of our time and I want to make sure that we wrap up by asking you for any final thoughts and where people can find Julie's cookie creations online and in person or how can they connect with you? What's the best way? The best way that you can find me would be on Facebook. Uh, Julie's Cookie Creations. Send me a message. I check it often. Um, you can always uh, email me at juliedomail at gmail.com. Um, You can also go through Instagram, too. I'm on Instagram. And if you're not following me, please do, because you'll see my latest and greatest, you know, whatever I've got coming up. I try to keep that updated quite frequently. So those are the best ways that you can find me. Um, And I would say my best advice to somebody starting out or thinking about starting out is... There's no time like the present because what you don't know is that that little niche that you've got could fulfill uh, a space that somebody else needs and has been looking for or wants to be. And, you know, and don't be afraid. Like, don't be afraid to start something new or, you know, do baby steps. That's what I did. Start small. Start building on it. Start adding on it. And... Next thing you know, you could be leaving your full-time job, and this could be your next career. But if nothing else, it's also just a good side thing to do, whether it's cookies or something else. I would just say, do it. Don't look back. 
because you can always find fears to hold you back, always, but you know, just do it. And you might be surprised what doors open for you and what avenues that you can go, you know, that you can take that could take you to a totally, totally different part of your life. So true. So true. Fear holds us back so much and you just never know until you try and explore Absolutely. and whatever it is, it is, you know. Such a good thought to end on. Uh, thank you so much for this conversation today and for sharing your experience and your time. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. I enjoyed Thanks so much to Julie for taking time to share this story and hear more about her journey today on the podcast. You can find links to Julie's cookie creations in our show notes. So check it out. And as a reminder, we will release a short article based on this podcast tomorrow on our website at rochesterrising.org. So please check that out as well. Thanks so much for spending some time with us here on the podcast today. We really appreciate you being here and taking time to learn more about entrepreneurship and small business development within Rochester, Minnesota. If you enjoy listening to the podcast, please make sure you're subscribed so that you never miss any of our podcasts. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode.